Hey there, thanks for listening to the Three Creeks Church podcast. Our church started meeting together in 2018 with four core values, truth, gather, serve, and love. In many ways, it feels like our church has restarted in 2021 due to the pandemic. But our four core values remain the same, truth, gather, serve, love. In this series, we're going through each one, one week at a time. To find out more about our church, to join a community group, or to give online, visit threecreekschurch.com. Good morning. I'm really, thank you. Yeah, I need some feedback here. Good morning. (laughs) Hey, I'm really um, excited to be here today. I feel privileged to get to stand up here and share with you guys. And as you just heard, I get to share about the core value of our church, which is serve. And I'm excited to share why that's a core value of our church, but also why I believe that it applies to you today if you consider yourself a Christ follower. And then I'm most excited about sharing an exciting opportunity that we're stepping into as a church family of partnering with a new ministry called My Village Ministries. So I'm going to pray to begin, and then we'll kind of dive into it together. Lord, I thank you that you are in this space and you go before us today. I pray that your words would stand alone and they would be enough for us today. In your name we pray, amen. So um, I am blessed by the fact that my parents who live in Westerville have a pool at their house and I am there weekly in the summer with my kids. My kids love it, I love it for them, but I'm also a pretty anxious person by nature. And if you're parents, you get that like, Little kids, pools is kind of like a stressful situation. So much so that we uh, even had a party there recently with some friends and I hired a lifeguard (laughs) just because I wanted eyes on the pool the whole time. Um, Because we've we've heard the stories, unfortunately, of, of parents who aren't paying attention or a kid who gets away and the unimaginable happens. So follow with me this. Let's say I'm at the pool with my kids and one of my kids, we'll just call it Judah um, because he's the one that would definitely do that, uh, goes over to the pool, doesn't have his swim arms on, falls in and starts flailing about, calling for help. I, as a good parent, would run over to the side and I would crouch down and I would say, it's okay, buddy, I love you, I'm here to help you. And then I just stood there and I didn't do anything. (laughs) Obviously that wouldn't happen, right? It's like, even if you don't know me personally, I hope that you would trust me as a good parent, would love my child enough to get the hair wet. It's a situation. Um, But obviously I would do something. I would act on my love for my child. And I believe that as followers of Christ, the same is true for us. If we say that we love Jesus, it will compel us to action. 
We're going to turn our attention to a couple of verses today um, in the book of 1 John. But before we do that, I kind of want to set the stage for us a little bit. So the author of 1 John is John. Um, he is a disciple of Jesus. He's one of the 12 guys who walked around, did ministry with him, and um, was really up close and personal. And John specifically was very up close and personal. He's considered the beloved disciple. He's the disciple that reclines next to Jesus at the Last Supper. He's also the same disciple that as Jesus is literally hanging on the cross to die, he looks down at John and says, hey, take care of my mother Mary when I'm gone. You don't ask just anybody to do that, right? So we can assume, and I think I'm justified in saying that John is close with Jesus. Like they, he knows Jesus in a really special way. He gets his heart, he gets his intention and the message that he came to teach. And so John writes the book of John, the gospel of John, and kind of lays it all on the line of like, hey, here's Jesus. I was with him. This is the stuff he did. This is the message he taught. Here's the story of Jesus. That book was written around 70 AD. But then he comes back and writes the book of 1 John around 90 AD meaning he's had about 20 years now, and he's watched the gospel take root. He has seen the church start. He's seen people come to know Jesus, and he's also seen people kind of misconstrue the message of Jesus. He's seen people try and get it wrong. He's seen it all. And he comes to us in the book of 1 John with the intention of saying, hey guys, I know Jesus. I know the heart of Jesus and the intention of Jesus. Circle, circle around and let me tell you. Something else to note is that a lot of the epistles in the book of, or in the New Testament are written to specific churches, Colossae, Philippi, Ephesus. And this book is written to a lot of the churches. It's not just written to one. And so I just, as we approach these words, these verses together, I just think it's helpful to keep in mind that John knows Jesus. He wants to convey the heart of Jesus. And I believe that it's for us, Three Creeks Church today. So let's read these words together. They'll be on the screen if uh, you don't have a Bible, we also have Bibles in the back um, that if you do not have one, please feel free to take it. It's our gift to you. But 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says this. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. First and foremost, we get to start with the gospel. Verse 16, the very beginning of that, it literally says, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. John wants to remind us of the good news of Jesus, that he was born as a baby. He's fully God. He's fully man. He lived a sinless life, all with the end goal of sacrificing his life on the cross for you and for me and for everyone that's come before us and everyone that will become behind us. 
That's the good news of Jesus, and it starts and ends with a sacrifice on the cross. John tells us that's how we know love. That is the example of love that we have. And I think unfortunately in our world today and, and here today, we kind of have a misunderstanding of this word. I just think that our word love sometimes falls short because I love coffee, but I also love Joel. And they mean very different things, right? Even the love that we, we know between a man and a woman, sometimes that lacks oomph, if you will, because I love you until something better comes along, or I love you until I choose somebody else, or I love you after three weeks on Bachelor in Paradise. Um, I just, but also, I think you get my meaning. It doesn't hold the same weight. And the, the Greek authors had the right intention and in knowing that we needed a little bit more. And so there's actually four words in the Greek language that all encompass this one word that we have for love. And the one word that I wanna camp on is the agape love. And I'm sure if you have been a Christ follower for any amount of time, this has some kind of meaning to you. You've heard this spoken about, but quite literally agape love, this one word for love is unconditional love, the highest form of love the love of God for man and of man for God. Or in layman terms, it's the love that says, I'm going to love you regardless if you do anything in return. This isn't like a two-way street kind of love. And I would argue that even for most, if not all of our earthly relationships, there is still an element of two-way streets. Like even in my love for Joel... <laughs> I love him enough to go on this golf trip he's on, but like he better do the dishes or something, you know? Like I'm gonna be expecting something in return. But that's not the case with God. God willingly died on the cross regardless if we choose to receive that. Regardless if we do anything with it, that is the love of God. And that is our model here today. So moving on, if you have received the love of God, what does it tell us? It says, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. So the demonstration of, our of the love that we have received from God is in, is in literally giving our lives away is in serving other people, it's being others focused. I wanna make something clear though before we move on. What I am not saying is that you need to do something in order to be a Christian, to receive the love of God. That's the whole point of this whole agape love illustration. God did that, not expecting you or needing you to get your life together. He doesn't need you to check off a list of good deeds. But at the end of the day, I think that the heartbeat and the intention of these verses and what John's trying to communicate is that if you really and truly understood the love of God, it will compel you to action. Just as much 
as I love Judah, like as a good mom, as a mom that loves my son, of course I'm gonna go do something. Like, of course, there's no question. And I think that the same is true for us as believers. It's not a duty, it's out of the love that we have received from God that's going to compel us to respond in action. Verse 16, as I said, it tells us that we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And when I hear that phrase, give up our lives, I immediately go to people that really put it all on the line, people that make kind of ultimate sacrifice type things, people who say, man, I'm going to sell all my possessions, get rid of it all, and move into a third world country. I got to tell people about Jesus. Or how about this one? Our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan and around the world who daily know that they might die for their faith and for knowing Jesus. People who give the ultimate sacrifice. And I just said, what is our model of love? Jesus, who literally gave his life away for you and me. And so I do think that there, there's an element of giving and serving that will, sometime will sometimes mean that we feel like we're literally losing our life in the process. I think that there are times where God does ask us to give in a very agape kind of way where we give knowing that we will never receive anything in return this side of eternity. Like have any of you served people in that kind of way? Have you ever served with the end goal of, I'm just not gonna get this back and, and that's okay? Is there anything in your life right now that God is asking you to consider doing and participating in that is gonna feel like a real sacrifice? But at the same time, we need to be honest here and say that for the majority of us in this room, you might not be called to go and move to Africa. You might be. But, but for us, in American Christianity, we're not called to pay life and death kind of decisions and am I going to die for my faith and am I being called to do this all-in kind of sacrifice? So instead, um, the, the more accurate translation of these words in the Greek is actually to lay aside your life. And that kind of hits a little bit closer to home for me. Because while I might not be asked to give up my life, I am asked to lay aside my life on a daily basis. As a parent, it's an hourly, minute by minute basis, right? But like all of us in this room, regardless of your life stage, we are given chances to lay aside your life daily. I'm asked to lay aside my life when my kids want to read a book with me and it's just easier to turn on a TV show. We get to lay aside our lives by making a meal for a family that's going through a really hard time. We're asked to lay aside our life by helping somebody move on a Saturday when that's the last thing you want to do. 
We are asked to lay aside our life by shoveling an elderly neighbor's driveway. We're asked to lay aside our life by giving financially to somebody who's going through a hard time. We're asked to lay aside our life by serving in the kids' ministry at our church. Pause. I just have to say, I served in the kids' ministry like a month ago for the first time in a really long time. And can I just say that they don't get enough credit back there? Like, if you serve in our kids' ministry, like, you are actually laying aside your life. So, thank you. It's really hard work back there. But we are given opportunities on a daily basis to lay aside our lives. Verse 18 says this, Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. So we all know some people in here that say they're Christians, and you kind of like scratch your head, and you think like, really? Can you just like not tell people that? You're kind of giving Jesus a bad name here. You're not doing a great job representing the name of Jesus. And when we really get down to it, not always, but I would say sometimes, the reason is because it feels like they got a whole lot of things to say, They got a whole lot of truth to share, oftentimes on the Facebook, and it's not followed up by their actions. We can't visibly see the love of Jesus through their actions. And again, that verse says, let's show the truth by our actions. It doesn't say, let's show the truth by our well-worded post, or let's share the truth by getting mad at somebody who disagrees with us. It says, let's show the truth by our actions. Let's show people the love of God by how we act. And at the end of the day, at the end of my life, man, I hope that my family and my friends and my neighbors and random people on the street, they can say, yeah, like, she showed me that God loves me because she, she acted. She did things. She showed me the love of God. We got to share truth too. That's in there. But we got to show it through our actions. <clears throat> I realize that this conversation can feel overwhelming at times. Um, because let's be real, like, there's no lack of need today. You wake up every day and there's a new pressing need, whether like globally or even just for your neighbor down the street. I mean, there's there's a lot of need. And sometimes, if I'm being honest, I can get so overwhelmed by that. I can have a hard time knowing what to do. How can I practically help? And maybe I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. But I've had lots of great opportunities in the past to serve in some really worthwhile ways. Helping homeless ministries and mentoring 16-year-old moms. Taking overseas missions trips. Things that really changed my life far more than they changed anybody else's life. But then I became a mom and I moved to Columbus and I'm like, what do I do? How can I help? How can I serve? And I want to encourage you with this thought today. Do not underestimate the value of faithful service and sacrifice in your day-to-day life. Do not let social media, 
the weight of the world keep you from stepping in to what God puts before you every single day. Because I really do feel like the, the older and older I get, and Lord willing, hopefully the more that I mature in my faith, that the work of God is in the faithful moments that he places right in front of us. Do I think that some of you in this room might be asked to pay really big sacrifices for your faith in serving other people? Yeah. Maybe he's asking you to go serve at a soup kitchen downtown. Maybe he's asking you to serve with refugees here in Columbus. I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Like I said, there's no lack of need here. But I also think that God is most definitely asking you to step into the faithful service that he's placed right in front of you with your family, with your church, with your friends, with your neighbors, with those that you work with. Saying yes to helping a friend who needs help with their kids. Saying yes to talking with an elderly neighbor who doesn't get to get out very much. Saying yes to making meals. Saying yes to showing up for a friend when it's easier to just stay home. Like, I I don't need to be the person up here to tell you what that is. And, And thankfully, I believe that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to do that on his own. Like, he doesn't need me to tell you what that means for your life. But I do think at the end of the day, like, the question for all of us to ask this morning is how is God asking us to show the truth by our actions? How is he asking us to serve people because the love of Christ has compelled us to do so? I now have the privilege of introducing and kind of getting behind the curtain a little bit of a new ministry that we're bringing here to Three Creeks Church. And I want to say this. I'm not trying to guilt you into signing up for something. <laughs> the first part of that message stands alone, right? And, and, and I'll, I'll say this. This whole, this whole sermon series is on our church core values, serve has been a part of our church core value since day one. And so just as much as you would expect me to not just say, I love my son, but to do something about it. So I think you would expect us as a church to not just say that we care about serving people and then not doing anything about it. And what's really fun is that I get to stand up here and say, like, I think we've been doing that. I really feel like us as a church family has been on mission in serving our city. And Mackenzie Davis has been learning, yes, Mackenzie, this should be like a Mackenzie Appreciation Day. (laughs) She's been leading the charge in all of our local impact ministry initiatives and events. And her and the team have given us lots of ways to serve people. The Gehanna gift shop, our ESL classes that we did with Goshen Lane Elementary School, coat drives, helping with grin, the list goes on and on. And I feel like we've had some really worthwhile ministry here in our city. But we keep talking and we keep praying and we keep saying, okay, God, what's next? And specifically, we've been asking the question of how can we serve in a more relational way? What can we do beyond the events? And that's not to discount the events because we're going to keep doing them. 
There's things that we still plan to do that is very event-driven and that has great impact. And at the end of the day, like I think Joel even said it in that um, little clip, but we have, we have said, we set out to be a church that if we left, people would miss us. And we continue to say that's gonna take time. But I, I truly believe that that's happening. And I'm blessed to be like at home and hearing some of the conversations Joel gets to have where people call and say, hey, I heard that you're a church that helps. Hey, we have this need. Do you think your church could do something about it? I would say that happens pretty often. And it makes my heart happy that we're getting a reputation as a church that's going to serve, that's going to show up, that's going to give and not expect anything in return. So that's where My Village Ministries comes into play. And I think, um, Hopefully most of you were able to receive one of these cards. And so I'm just gonna go over what this is. And it's really just a very brief introduction of what this means for our church. And I'll give you um, next steps in a second too as to how to get more information in the future. But My Village Ministries, I'm, I'm just gonna read this, okay? I know I'm kind of insulting your intelligence, but it's important, I, I want it to matter. It says, My Village Ministries seeks to come alongside families in crisis and provide community and support to help them get to the other side. We do this by placing children with host families for a short period of time, providing coaching and training for parents, and welcoming those who are isolated into a Christ-centered community. So here's, here's two examples for you of how this has played out in Columbus. These two stories actually happened. Um, first one is this. Mom is getting ready to give birth to a child. She has no family support, no community support, and actually has an older child with her. So she has two options when she goes into the hospital to deliver this baby. She can bring that child, the older child, with her, and then that child would be left unattended in the hospital waiting room as she's giving birth to a baby, likely meaning that that child would then go into the foster care system, or, which is what happened, she was referred to My Village Ministries. And a family connected with one of their local church partners welcomes that kid in their home and hosted them for a short period of time so that the mom could welcome this new baby into their life. Another example is this. This is actually a good friend of mine. Her name is Joanna, and she helped bring this ministry to New Life Church, literally right there. Her and her husband, Darren, hosted a brother and sister for about three months because their mom found out that she was being evicted from their home. She didn't want these two kids to be homeless with her and so she reached out to My Village Ministries and said, hey, I just need a little bit of help. I need somebody to help me until I can figure out what's next, until I can get my feet under me. And so my friend Joanna, her husband Darren, they hosted these two kids. They got to love on them. They got to show them the love of Jesus. They got to provide them with a safe environment, all while mom was given the support that she needed in order to find a safe place to live and welcome those kids back into her home. I actually was texting with Joanna today about this story and she said, hey, you should tell them that she now, mom has a new job, 
just got remarried and has a new baby. She's doing really well. And my friend Joanna has a continued relationship with her through all of this. So this is different than foster care. <clears throat> More often than not, in a foster care situation, social services has to come in and say, this is an unsafe environment, and we're going to place them in the foster care system. This is different than that, because in my village ministries, parents are the ones reaching out. They're the ones saying, I opt in and I need help. This is different than the foster care system in that reunification is the goal, but that happens only about 66% of the time. In my village ministries, it happens 99% of the time. This is different than foster care in that it is all focused on this idea of biblical hospitality. So it's exactly what we've been talking about in saying, hey, like, has the love of God transformed your life? Then let it transform the way you serve other people. They're all about the gospel. It's unashamedly Christian. Like, they're not hiding the fact that, like, hey, you're opting into this. We're going to tell you about Jesus. But we're going to do it in a way that gives you honor and dignity and comes alongside you to support you. Another thing that I love about this ministry is this. There are lots of ways for us as a church to serve. So there's lots of roles that can be played in this ministry. Um, the first one is as a host family. And this is something that is not to be taken lightly. Um, but as a host family, you or your spouse or you as a family, you say, yeah, I'd be willing to host some kids in my home for a short period of time. This could literally be a couple of days or a couple of months. But you're willing to jump into it and to say, I'm willing to love these kids. I'm willing to provide them with a safe home, all while having a relationship with the referring parents. Let me say this, I don't, I, I know for a fact, not all of you are called to do this. <laughs> I would say not even most of you are called to do this. But do I believe that there are some people in this room that God might be tugging on their hearts to consider this? Yeah, I do. And we'll talk more about this in a second. But what's fun is that you might be sitting there and saying, man, I want to do that. But that's just, I'm not in a season of my life where I feel like I can provide that kind of care. Another role that you can play is as a community coach. This is someone who says, I want to come alongside of the parents. I want to encourage them. I want to point them to resources. I want to just help them in the process of getting back on their feet and walking through the end of this crisis. Another role that you can play is as a ministry lead. Um, I have, I, I'm going to be leading up this ministry at our church but I'm looking for some other people who are passionate about this ministry and want to help with it, who want to help with a lot of organization. And, and that's a specific role, but if this is something God's tugging on your heart, like, please come talk to me. Another role to play is a care community. And I'm going to be bold enough to say that I think every single person in this room could and maybe should sign up to do this. And what this means is that you're saying, I'm not in a position to to care as a host family for kids in my home, but like I can help the families in our church that are going to. 
I can help by bringing you a meal. I can help by dropping off diapers and wipes. I can help by babysitting for a night. I can help provide transportation. I can give you a gift card. I can write you an encouraging note. I think that's part of the beauty of having a ministry like this at our church is that we're saying, hey, we're not gonna have you serve on an island over there and do this on your own. Like we as a church family are gonna come alongside of those who are saying, I wanna host some kids in our home. And then finally, there is the mentor role. And that's a role where you get to be partnered with a school-aged child and you get to encourage them. You get to have fun with them. You get to be just a great example for them. And this goes on during their placement and then post their placements. And the idea is that you meet with them every one to two weeks and you just get to encourage them and point them to Jesus. At this point, our church is saying, yes, like we're doing this. Um, what is kind of interesting in all this is that we had a team of people that was making this happen literally months before the pandemic. And as is lots of things that happened with all of this, we had to put that on pause. But in praying and talking with people about it, I'm like, God knew, like this is, this is the right time for our church to step into this. So we're doing this as a church. But I say that knowing that that means that we're doing this as a church. <laughs> I know that this is like the first that most of you are hearing of this, but I believe that like we as a church community can do this. Some of you guys have to start praying. Some of you guys have to start asking the question of what it what is God asking me to do? And like I said before, like I'm not up here trying to like bamboozle you into signing up for this new ministry. Like you love God? Well, let some random kids stay in your house. Like that's, that's not the goal here, okay? Um, because I do believe that God might be prompting you in ways of being others focused and in serving that, that are not connected at all with my village ministries. But I also think what a cool opportunity that we have as a church. And if you're the person that's sitting there thinking, man, I, I have this muscle of serving that I want to start exercising and using, but how do I do it? We want to give you a way to do it. So I want to encourage you to start praying. Okay, a couple of logistics. <laughs> because at the end of the day, like I said, for the most of you, this is the first you're hearing about it. And me standing up here and sharing with you for like 10 minutes about my village ministries is not enough. We all know that. And for those of you that are like genuinely interested in what this means, you need more information. So on October 10th, that's like what, two weeks? <laughs> We're having an info meeting just right after church. So hopefully it's easy for you. Um, we will just meet in one of the kids' classrooms. We're gonna provide childcare, so if you have kids, hopefully you can attend that meeting and not be distracted. But Phil Krause, who is the director of this ministry, will be there, and he's gonna answer all your questions, and he's gonna go into more depth than I can do up here on this stage. And so if you are interested in that, please text village to 97,000. This just gives us an idea of how many people will be there, what kind of childcare we might need. And, and you're not signing up for anything, okay? So if you show up for this info meeting, 
No one's gonna ask you to do anything. This is just simply your way of getting more information. Next, I'm gonna give you another date. <laughs> I realize I'm throwing a lot of information at you. But like I said, I, I feel like as you start praying and considering this, I want you to have all the information, right? So October 23rd, not that far away, um, <clears throat> we are gonna have an all-day training. This kind of ministry is not done without a lot of information. <laughs> um, and, and I've talked to a lot of the staff and even people that have attended this training to know that it's really good. Like they're not just like, it's not just fluff. Like it's some really good stuff that you need to know to engage in this ministry. But it's an all day event, nine to four, breakfast and lunch are provided. And listen, let me say this. If you have kids and you're like, ah, that's a long time to find childcare. Like, please come talk to me. We want to remove any barriers for you to be able to jump into this if you feel like this is what God's calling you to. I, I wanna give you that date so you can pray about it, you can think about it, you can know what's ahead as you consider if God would have you play a role in this with us as a church. Like I said, this is, it's, you know, very information heavy here at the end. And I was worried that in getting up here, it would feel like I'm trying to twist your arm into doing something here at our church. And please hear my heart. Like that's, that's not the goal here. Um, we as Three Creeks Church are really excited about this. I'm really excited about what this means for us as a church family to exercise this muscle of serving to exercise this muscle of agape love, of loving people, expecting nothing in return. And so let me say this. If you've received the love of God, how is he asking you to respond? And, and maybe I should start with this. How have you received the love of God? Or is this something that you're still kind of trying to figure out? What's preventing you today from taking hold of this beautiful gift and sacrifice that God has given us. And then those questions are, what's next? How is God asking you to show the love of God, to show the truth by your actions? And my prayer in this truly is that the Holy Spirit would do the work that he needs to do in helping to reveal that to your own heart and into your own life. You know your situation. You know the people that God has placed in front of you. How has he asked you to serve? How has he asked you to give, knowing that you may never get anything back this side of eternity? I'm going to pray. Um, we always have people in the back that are ready to pray with you, if it's about anything here today or just anything at all. Like, I, I just love that this is a rhythm that we have as, at our church that you can always come in here on a Sunday morning knowing that somebody would love to pray with you and will pray with you. But I, I love that our church cares about this. I love that we're a church that wants to serve other people. And I love that we as a people want to do that in our day-to-day -day life. Can you imagine if like every single one of us in this room said like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be faithful and show up in my day-to-day -day life, serving, expecting nothing in return. So let's pray. God, I thank you that you paid the ultimate sacrifice for me, for us, that you gave your life away 
so that we can have life to the full today and for eternity. And man, I want to be known as a person who loves people not just by talking, but that I show them through my actions. I'm really excited about My Village Ministries. I'm really excited for what it means for us as a church family. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would today and this week guide and direct people and, and help them to actually consider and pray and give intention and thought to if this is them, <laughs> to not just assume that this is for somebody else, to, but to pray and consider, man, is this me? God, are you asking me to do this? I am so thankful to be with my church family here this morning. It's just always so good to gather and sing and worship you with other believers. And so I just, I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that even in this last song, it could be a worshipful time where we get to just praise you and prepare our hearts for the day and the week ahead. And in your name we pray, amen. <laughs>